we finally got here. It's the end of the season for West Bromwich Albion, something many of us have been waiting for for quite a few weeks now. Um, and it's the Ooh, last podcast of the season. So welcome to the Baggies Broadcast, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. I'm Johnny Drury, and as always, I'm next to my good friend and hey. Baggies correspondent, Joe Massey, as we look back on what has... What was that, sorry? I lost you, mate. I didn't hear any of it. Oh, you didn't hear any of it? Oh, well, we're recording, so hopefully it'll come in. This will be in the bloopers reel this will, won't it? Yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, go for it, mate. Can you hear me, though? You can hear I me can now? Hear now, yeah. Can you hear me now? Good, good. Yeah. I hope all, the, all the fans can hear us as well. But as I said, I'm next to my uh, my mate and baggage correspondent, Joe Massey. Um, Joe, how are you? Can you hear me? You know, and, and, and how are you feeling? Are you sad the season's over or are you looking forward to the summer? Ah, oh, I'm absolutely devastated the season's over, mate. <laughs> absolutely devastated. Um, yeah, what a, what a season. Finally gone. I think, it, let's be honest, it finished about 10 weeks ago. Um, we've just been going through the motions ever since. Six weeks, maybe. Um, can't get enough of Johnny Drury, though. This is our second podcast of the day, isn't it? On fire, aren't we? We're on fire. We've got another podcast tomorrow with an absolutely huge guest. Huge. Potentially one on Friday as well. Well, we have got one on Friday. We're just waiting for a, for a time to be confirmed by this former Albion captain. Um, so we've got, yeah, done one today already with Paul Robinson. We've done got another huge guest tomorrow. And then we've got another one, yeah, I won't say who, former captain on Friday. So, yes, you, you Johnny Drury, are keeping me very, very busy, it's fair to say. You and are me, keeping me, me in check. Let me add as well, I was only, I'm only on an 8.10 today, so I'm putting the shift in today. I'll get the time back, but I'm putting the shift in today, all for the name of the Baggies Broadcast. Oh, I didn't know you were on Absolutely eight. committed. What Absolutely kind of shift committed. is 8.10? We were meant to be doing something this afternoon, weren't we? We won't let the cat out of the bag. Oh, yeah. So, but that's now next week, which we'll tell you about next week. Of course, okay. I so, get that, that, that makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? But, um, but yeah... Never shy away from doing a baggies broadcast. And it's a big one. It's the end of the season. Um, but yeah, just in our opening section, I just want to say, you know, we've all heard numerous times, I very much looked after Joe at Redding a couple of weeks ago. You know, mm-hmm. as we know, he smashed his equipment. Redding helped him with a laptop and he was panicking on the way home. He was saying, I'm not going to be able to do my work on the way home. What am I going to do? It's like, don't worry about it. You can use my laptop. I'll just sit on the train. I'll do all my work. Everything will be fine. And it worked out well, didn't it, Joe? We all We got it done. Anyway, fast forward a week, and I again had to look after him ahead of the Barnsley game, didn't I, Joe? Because if I hadn't looked after you, you'd probably still be sat on the M6 now, waiting to get to the Hawthorns. As many Albion fans will know, the roadworks coming on the M6, going south, were awful on Saturday. I left dead early. I wanted to get to the ground. I only got there an hour before, but give Joe a quick call. Don't come on the M6. Go the other way round. And you were there before me, weren't you? So, yeah, I'm always looking after you, aren't I? Mate, you you are looking after me. I can't say anything. You just, Considering yeah. Joe is older than me, yeah, and he should be the responsible, mature one, I just, I've got to look out. I, I, I've i always been the responsible one, but, I, you know, I'm just, I'm I'm here, I'm here for you, mate. I'm here to look after you. Keep mate, your, you keep are appreciated. I want you to know that. You are appreciated. I think you are more mature and more, you're just, we're just different people, mate, in life. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, off the cuff I'm like I just do everything on a, I don't think I don't plan anything I just live for the moment I'm, I need, I've got no structure to my life my life is chaos <laughs> it's ridiculous my wife will listen to this and be nodding her head and going just why can't you write stuff down in a diary does she why? listen yeah she listens yeah does she she listens yeah oh. um, Hello, yeah my organisational skills are atrocious they're atrocious um, it's a good job I'm here then isn't it really um, whereas you are the opposite aren't you you are Mr Plan Efficient, organised structure, 
order. Um, mate, opposites attract, and that's why we're together. That's why That's why we make such a good combination. What I will say, when we, we did a video on Friday, and I was saying about not get, I was worried about getting the kickoff time wrong, because it was 12.30, wasn't it? I, was gonna, I thought, I can envision myself turning up at Abba's 1 being late. In the end, I was only there an hour before. But we mentioned that story I was telling you the other day about how Charlie Austin and Albion may be late for a game once. That's right. a game. So basically, it's quite a, a little... Uh, we'll, we'll, before we get on to football chat, which is not a lot of from Barnsley, let's be honest, it was a 4-0 easy win. Um, I used to live in the Channel Islands in Jersey and I used to report on a team called the Jersey Bulls. So West Brom played Birmingham two years ago in the Slav season. It was a 12.30 kick-off and Albion were 2-1 down. Everyone remembers that game. Everyone remembers that game, yeah. And I used to get the bus into the centre of the island to go and report on Jersey Bulls. So I was like, three o'clock kickoff, it'll be, I'll be signed. I get the bus, watch the game, get the bus, I'll be there at the end of the game. I'll be there like five, ten minutes before the start of the game. I was meant to be covering. So I was like, oh, I better go now. Anyway, Austin scored, got to 2 2, and I was like, no, I'll watch it all. Got 3 2, going nuts. You know, I don't know what the neighbours thought was going on, but I was going absolutely mad. Ran down to the bus stop, got the bus in, got to the ground, and it was 2 0 to Jersey Bulls, and the game was 40 minutes old. And I was like <laughs> absolutely startled. So I had to like basically make up the first half of the report almost. <gasps> Not make it up, but just do it through Twitter, which, you know, can be a bit difficult sometimes. Um, but yeah, that's that's my one being late for a game. So I made sure I'm never late for a game, although I was a bit worried last week when I was stuck on the M6 and I wasn't moving for about 20 minutes. But uh, but yeah, we made sure Joe got there anyway. You know, we've always got to look after Joe. He's the main man, isn't he, Joe Massey? So uh, we made sure he was there in good time anyway. I appreciate um, it, mate. I yeah, appreciate it. So we had a good day. The food was great. We had a full English for the game and West Brom won 4-0. <laughs> it was a great end to the season, really. You know, even though the season had been awful. Um, just, just uh, well, t- well, we'll have a little bit of a chat about Barnsley. Well, we've got other things to chat. It'll be a little bit of a longer episode today. The Joe Massey West Brom Awards, as I'm, uh, oh right, okay. I'm, uh, I'm going to coin them. You know, we had the Baftas earlier in the week. These are the next big thing, right? The next big oh, thing. Oh yeah, everyone wants one of the these. West Brom Baftas, basically. I'm sure after talking about some West Brom players this season, they probably won't want one of these awards. To be perfectly honest, no. Um, and we'll just talk about the summer. Talk about what you know, what we're hoping Bruce is going to do. We've talked about it already, but we'll go into a little bit more in depth. But Barnsley, Joe, just a reflection on that. As we said, Barnsley's team was weak. The Albion finished on a more positive note than we've had in the previous few weeks, really. They did. Um, I'm not going to go into Barnsley game too much, really, because the, the truth is, and we say this all the time when people ask about the kids, why Steve Bruce isn't playing more kids, this, that and the other, um, is the standard but, but of under-23 football to championship football. There is a vast, vast difference. And the truth is, Barnsley played an under-23 side. Um their caretaker manager was under-23's boss at the start of the season, um, Corley Woodrow, who, do you know what? I would quite like to see Albion next season. Um, there's no there's, there's no intel there. I'm not saying he's of any interest. I'm just saying that I just think he'd be a decent option as a backup or to potentially play alongside DK. Um, and he must have a relegation release course and his wages will surely drop now he's going down to League One. So I think Corley Woodrow, I'd, like, I'd, I'd be open to that. But anyway... Does Brucey listen to the pod? Um, plant the seed? Well, you never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was the only player named outfield player who was 22 or over. So he's obviously older than 22, but the next oldest was 22. It was a very, very, very young Barnsley team. Um, it was the under-23s of a Barnsley side that finished bottom of the championship anyway. Um, they had 11 players missing. Um, 
through injury. So, look, Albion should be winning that game all day long. Um, they should be winning it 4-0. It was as comfortable as the scoreline suggested. Right from the first minute, they were completely dominant. Um, completely, like, dominated the ball the opening 20 minutes. Clear-cut chances were always going to come. They were always going to score goals. They should have scored more. Colin Grant missed the penalty. Colin Grant hit the post. Great Dean Garn had a really good chance. Well, he did well to create it, but... So yeah, it was a, it was a, it was just there was virtually no opposition, as as, as harsh as that sounds to Barnsley. Um, this really was a stroll in the park for Albion. This it was it was a, a mismatch um, in terms of the two teams. So yes, Albion won four now. Yes, it was nice that end of a win. Yes, it was a nice day out in the sun. Yes, we had a nice little breakfast. Um, but other than that, there is nothing you can read into that game absolutely nothing it is not there is no way in no way shape or form can that result or performance be allowed to paper over any cracks from this season because it's just irrelevant Albion will probably play in a team that would finish they're probably playing a national league side maybe even lower I don't know but it was Oh, it's cutting that. It's well, it's just it's a, it's yeah. a truth. Like, it's not, like you can't you yeah. we can't like be like going crazy about a four 0 win over a team that was was kids really. Oh, just let um, us enjoy the win, Joe. We've had. A oh, I'm sorry, season. mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it is. It is right, isn't it? You know, it should have been five, really. Well, it should have been six. Granted, the post and missed the penalty, but um, but yeah, just just the result, just to win the game really comfortably was you know, and, and we we spoke about it briefly, didn't we, on on the video after the game. Um, very tentative early steps but there's been such a discourse between the players and the fans and the club but last week you know tickets and fan zone and um, you know Saturday you know a good amount of people more than I thought stayed in the ground to sort of clap the players at the end of the game they had their kids on the pitch and then mm. I know you'd gone in and done the press conference at this point but a lot of fans sort of race towards the tunnel area and I know Taylor Gardner Hickman stayed for quite a while to sort of sign autographs and, and other players did but just a little a tiny smidgen of that connection almost seems to be well from a personal point of view seems to be sort of springing up a little bit but you know as we said probably tentative steps really because of what's gone before it is that fair to say? Yeah I think last week was a really really positive a really really successful week um, for for West Bromwich Albion in terms of the club laid some foundations um, for a brighter future that is all they are they are just foundations everything's yeah. going to be like in the proof of the pudding if you like but yeah if we go through the week starting with the fan zone now the fan zone thing's really interesting we talked on this podcast that it might have been the last I think it was the last podcast we've done which by the way we've got loads of love for didn't we um, we did saying, yes everyone was saying it's the best one we've done which we really appreciate so thank you for that um but I spoke on that podcast about how um, I'd sort of heard that Ron Gourlay was amazed um, at just how little Albion effectively offer fans. We, we used the example of Bristol City where you go onto the concourse and there's soft plays in there. There's football cages for your kids to play football. Um, you walk towards the city ground, the Bristol City's ground, Ashton Gate, and there's all sorts of sort of like food trucks and different like ciders and stuff. It's like a food festival. Uh, <clears throat> and this is what... We were saying last week is that you can't just Albion have basically for a very long time they've just assumed people are going to come because 
that West Bromwich Albion and people want to watch the football. They they have taken supporters for granted. Um, and the fan zone, getting rid of the fan zone um, three seasons ago, was an example of that. Um, it was a cold business decision that, from what we understand, the fan zone wasn't profitable. Apologies there, Baggies fans. I think the, uh, the internet connection between Telford and the Welsh border must have fallen down there because we... Uh, we lost each other for a second, but we're back now, aren't we, Joe? You, you were in a full-on monologue about fan zones, so take it away again. Right, so start from the beginning. What should we say? Start. It's just, yeah, you were talking about you know Bristol City. You've done it really well with what you know. You saw what they had, and and it's just it's just been a positive. It's going to be a positive thing for Albion, isn't it? Having this fan zone back. Yes, the fan zone, very, very positive. So we talked about Bristol City last week. You might already have this on the podcast a minute ago for repeating ourselves. We apologise. But, yeah, obviously Bristol City, very, very good. Soft plays and football cages on the actual concourse for families to spend time together and the kids to play. It's like a food festival walking up to the ground. Um, and we know that Ron Gourlay's been to multiple meetings um, this summer with fan groups and the fan zone returning has been... Um, on has been big in those meetings has come up multiple multiple times and Ron Gourlay realised that fans want this back it, it did actually make a loss uh, and it wasn't profitable sorry um, when it was scrapped three years ago that should it really week. be profitable though because it's an investment in your fans I suppose isn't it well that's exactly the point mate that yeah. is exactly the point um, you, Albion have taken their fans for granted is the truth of it over the last few years they've they've just relied on the football um, to get people coming back and coming back. And the truth is that is not how you can operate in this day and age. You will be left behind. Bristol City proved that. Um, I mean, look, we all know the situation. West Bromwich Albion are in an area where there is fierce competition on their doorstep. Um, Villa are just down the road. Wolves are just down the road. Blues are just down the road. You've got to compete with these clubs to get people in. Um, you need more than the football now. It's as simple as that. And the fan zone is the right way to go. It's got to be good. Um, it's got to be good it's got, people are going to want to go to it um, so we'll judge that on the opening home game of next season um, but Ron Gourlay bringing us back is definitely definitely the right thing for the football club and the other that the proof in the pudding will not the proof in the pudding will be with that because look it's great that it's back and we're, but we do have to see what that's going to be like but the announcement I think it was on Wednesday last week about the season tickets is absolutely um Phenomenal, and I think the club couldn't have done any better um, with their season ticket prices. I think they are absolutely brilliant. I've had so many messages from people, um, just well, like just saying how how proud they are really of the club and the price and structure they've implemented. And I think gourlay has been really, really savvy here, um, because what he's done is put in a structure that increases with age and, and I think that's really the right thing to do and Albion season tickets are an absolute bargain um, when you look at what Villa are charging when you look at what Wolves are charging um, they really really are value for money but I think so we, we know that adult season tickets start about £329 that's a freeze no increase there um, then there's this concession rate of £99 um, for 17 to 19 year olds I know people whose season ticket has gone down from last season. They're in that 17 to 19 bracket and they are now paying £99 out of what they were playing last season. That is absolutely fantastic. There's an increment again from 20 to 25. I think that's £199. And it works. It works because hopefully the older you get, the, the further into your 20s you'll go, if you like, the more money you will earn. Um, so I think it's absolutely right to give them, to give that discount and to have that incremental price increase. 
The twenty, then the, the the big win, but the absolute massive win for me was the season tickets. Yeah. Quid, kid for a quid, um, twenty three pounds, twenty three pounds um, for a season ticket to watch Albion if you're sixteen or under. Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong with this comment, but it was in the press release. I just can't remember it off the top of my head. But I think for two family, if you if you're a family of four, um, two kids. And two adults. I think the average price you will pay per week to watch Albion is thirty pounds and sixty pence. It's something like that. Um, for that a family, for a family of four, yeah, the average, right. um, and that's an absolute bargain. Um, and it's got to the point where I've said before, like if you've got kids, you have to do something with them on a Saturday. So um, every like, home game is now going to be like a massive family day out. Well, it would be Basically. mate. If my kids, well, that's what it will be. Hopefully, if these if these prices continue, when when uh, in in a couple of years' time, yeah, hopefully, um, bring them down. You can send the little ones down to interview a player after the game. Save your job. Yeah, my little girl would grill him. She would. She'd be, she'd be, <laughs> she'd be like Paxman. Third degree. Uh, she's, Paxman. Uh, <laughs> she's a terrier. Um, but yeah, I think it's unbelievable value. Um, again, I know someone who rung me saying they the lad. I can't remember how old his lad is, but his lad always wanted to ask for an Albion season ticket, but he didn't think it was fair to ask his parents for one because he knew they cost oh. loads of money. Yeah. Um, and then now they cost £23. So his dad's obviously bought him one um, and they're going next season and they absolutely oh, cannot brilliant. wait. And these stories are like heartwarming. It's like absolutely lovely to yeah. hear. Um, that Albion have made football affordable for a lot of people. Um, and I think, that's, I, I think they should be doing that. Um, I, I think they should be doing that. In terms, obviously, we all know everyone. We're in a cost of living crisis. We're all we're all look, counting the pennies. We're all looking at how much we're spending on heating and electric and gas and and petrol. Um, but they've done so well with these season ticket prices. Ron Gourlay's done so well with them. And at a time when, do you know what? Everyone else down the road is raising their prices to astronomical levels. Um, everyone knows my thoughts on walls. I'm not. I'm, I've got no real issue with Villa, to be honest. I'm not. Everyone knows I'm not. I can't really stand walls, but both those clubs, it's disgusting. It's disgusting the amount of money they're charging people to watch their teams this season. And absolute joke. Wolves in particular, they come out with this absolute nonsense that they're trying to compete with the likes of like Leicester and West Ham and all this, that and the other. And it's just it's just absolutely crazy. Um yeah. so yeah, I think Albion deserve immense credit. That was it was a real positive week in that sense. And like you said, that connection's starting to build again. It is, it is baby steps. It is baby steps. Um, but the fan zone, big tick. The season tickets, triple, massive tick. Um, couldn't have done any better with that. Um, and then, of course, ended the week with a 4-0 win, so that was nice as well. So, yeah, very, very good, very, very good week. Um, and just signs that things are heading in the right direction, which is so important. Keep your head down going through uh, Wolverhampton next time you're walking through oh, Wolverhampton City Centre. I love it when the Dingle, when Wolves fans like comment. Are you all going to score and say the Dingles? Then, oh, I just call them Dingles all the time. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Where's that reporter who likes anyone but Wolves? That'd be me, mate. That'd be me. <laughs> Big sign <laughs> above your head. Um, just moving on from that, a bit of news. We, we spoke on Friday. It was news galore last week. We've had a few things. You know, this is we're recording this on a Tuesday. Might go out today. Might go out tomorrow. See how I'm feeling. Um, but we've had a couple of little bit, little bits of news already this week. You rang me frantically yesterday morning on your day off, didn't you, Joe? Um, about two imminent contract signings. David Button on a two-year contract. Alex Palmer on a four-year contract, which was a, 
said to say we were a little bit surprised that both came at once. Is that fair to say? Very, very, very surprised, mate. Um, I, I don't think we were surprised by Button signing a new deal. Um, I don't because obviously we know Steve Bruce has implemented this rule that you've got to live within an hour of the training ground. We know Button was living in Brighton. We don't know if he's moving his family or if he's going to rent a second property, but we can safe, we're safe to assume he will be doing that. Uh, and I think that was always the case because he wouldn't have played those final games of the season. He he wouldn't have been um, given that chance to impress if there was if it was unlikely that he was staying next season. So wasn't surprised at all to see Button sign a new two year deal. Was massively massively surprised to see Alex Palmer sign a four year deal. Um, See, my understanding is that Luton are very, very keen on Alex Palmer. Um, of course, they're in the playoffs. Of course, they've got a chance to go into the Premier League. You, you never know how people's transfer targets change if they change the vision. But I think, from what I've heard, they were keen on signing Alex Palmer permanently this summer. Um, I find it really odd now. I've got to be honest, if you'd asked me before yesterday, I'd have thought Button would have stayed and Palmer would have gone. Um, but... Now it's it's very it's, it's very odd it's it's very odd that he has stayed and he's not been given a chance in those final games. Um, I think Button did very well in them and I think he's really stayed the claim. But I don't know why if Palmer was staying he didn't get some minutes. Um, find that a bit peculiar really. In four years, I mean, it's a hell of a contract for him. Just asking um, a, a question. I have I've only just thought of it now. You say Luton are interested. Maybe Palmer might have other suitors or Albion chucking him on a contract to get a fee for him, maybe. I don't know. Well, if they're doing that, then I think... Because he he's got one year left anyway. Yeah. I don't think he'd, have to, I don't think he'd sign for four years. No. Um, no. So, it's interesting because Palmer's come out and said, look, he very much sees himself competing to be number one um, next season. We've just recorded a podcast with Paul Robinson, literally, basically hung up from that one and started this one. And he's actually sung the praises of Alex Palmer on that podcast. He yeah. said what a good goalkeeper he thinks he is. Um, so it, it doesn't quite add up that Palmer has signed a four-year deal but didn't get a chance towards the end of last season. Um, but that is the situation we find ourselves in. Um, I think Bruce has said actually earlier in the season he'd be happy for both of them to compete for the number one jersey next season. I think now we have to assume that is what will happen. What does it mean for Josh Griffiths, Joe? Well, that's you know, he's he's been touted as the uh, the next big goalkeeper at Albion. You know, he's been in England under twenty one. He's he's done well on loan. Um, he's injured at the moment. What does this mean? Does this indicate another loan? I think it does. I mean, that is the. Ind- I was thinking in the back of my head, I quite fancied Josh Griffiths to come and spring a surprise this summer yeah. um, think and actually did. force his way in into the team. But maybe Albion just feel he's a little bit too young at this stage. Um, maybe he will get another loan next season. If you speak to Rob Gurney from BBC WM about him, he's seen him a couple of times this season because he, um, as he's covered other clubs, and he's a big, big fan of Josh Griffiths. Um, and everyone we speak to sort of in the game is a big fan of Josh Griffiths. So... I kind of got no... I thoroughly, thoroughly expect Josh Griffiths to get his chance at Albion. Thoroughly expect that to happen and probably to go on and have a very good Albion career. But it feels like at the moment he's perhaps deemed a little bit too young and Button and Palmer will fight it out next season. But that was interesting news, that. It really was. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Just on the the news type of uh, the news section of the podcast, you know, Steve Bruce came out with a few... Interesting quotes. Um, 
this in the last week. Joe, he said after the game, I think it was after the game on Saturday, you know, it's been his toughest year in management. Steve Bruce has been a manager for oh, 25 odd years now, maybe longer. Um, you know, he, he had the stick at Newcastle, he got the sack, um, and then he come to Albion and we all know how it's panned out. It hasn't panned out how he thought it would, you know. It's got to have taken its toll on, on Bruce, hasn't it? You know, it's been a, it has been a tough year for him. It has been a tough year for him. I think the Newcastle job meant an awful lot to him. Um, obviously, he's a Geordie. I think he always wanted to manage them. Well, he did always want to manage them. His reputation there, how, unfortunately, I don't really want to say it like this, but how unpopular he is there. He gets an awful lot of criticism. Unfairly, I think, sometimes. I Newcastle think fans will disagree yeah. with this. Um, but, yeah, from the outside looking in. I uh, think unfairly. Um, I think he thinks, he hopes that in sort of history will look back a little bit more favourably um, yeah. on him there. Like, I think he, off the top of my head, this is, I think he finished 12th and 13th in the Premier League in his it's first two bad. seasons. Um, which is very, very, very respectable when you consider the turmoil at that club that has been there basically from the moment Mike Ashley bought it. So yeah. I think he did add two very, very good seasons. Obviously, the third season was disappointing. He hadn't won a game by the time he, he, he left this season. Um, but there's no doubt that took um, a lot out of him. What there's also no doubt that he's very, very disappointed by his start at Albion. Um, very, very disappointed. He, he basically brought that up straight away in the press conference after the game on Saturday he wanted to make clear that he'd always look back on the first month for Alpine with regret that he didn't really um, appreciate just how embedded Albion were into Ishmael's three at the back um, and that it was just too big a change for them to go to a back four early on um, for the first, he did it first game didn't he at Sheffield United and it just yeah. didn't work I mean he wasn't out that day Jake Livermore got a red card after about half an hour and it was like and that was it from there, really. But, yeah, he, he definitely looks back on that first month with regret. Um, but there's no doubt, he said he, after the game, he's absolutely delighted he took this job. Um, he's disappointed with the results. He revealed he actually had a couple of offers. He said a couple of big offers um, to get back into the game before Albion. Um, he was very, very seriously contemplating retiring. Um but yeah, he got the call from Albion and he basically thought he couldn't turn it down. He said he's very, very grateful that he, he, he got the call and that he, he did accept the job because he he, he is enjoying it. Results aside, he is, he is very much enjoying it and he's certainly excited by the challenge just ahead. Um, he believe, I think Bruce feels like this is, this is his element, really. Uh, I think he feels building championship teams, building teams, sorry, to get out of the championship on a bit of a shoestring, um, it's not quite a shoestring, but having to wheel and deal, having to sort of, he says, beg, borrow and steal. He likes that side of it. I think he's, I think he's in his element. He, I think, he, I think Steve Bruce has got his critics, understandably. I think questions are asked often about his tactics, but I don't think anyone can question that Steve Bruce can spot a player, and Steve Bruce can, he can, he's good in the market. Um, he knows what it takes to build a team in this division and to and to compete for promotion. So I think this is I think Steve Bruce is now entering his element, if you like. I think he's enter, entering what he is strongest at. Um and that's why hopefully it'll be a very successful summer. Fingers crossed. Is it is a question. I've got a couple of big testing questions for you today, Joe. Oh, go on, mate. This is the first one. If, you know, Bruce talk, talked about that going to a back four, I think he went to a back four at Sheffield United, I think, um, if I remember rightly. 
if he would have stuck with the back three, where which Albion were very solid with under under Ishmael, um, would Albion have made the playoffs? Uh, no, probably not. I don't. Don't. I don't. I, no, I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. I think the rot had settled in. I, there's no doubt in my mind that Steve Bruce had absolutely no idea of just what he was inheriting when he became Albion manager. In fairness to him, I don't think any of us realised what he was inheriting and just how off the wa- how far off the wagon they'd fallen. Really. Um, I still, I think there's, I think there's issues at Albion that would ultimately have led to them f- finishing outside the playoffs anyway. And, yeah. But I do think he would, it would have, they would have got closer if he hadn't made that change. Yeah. Um, if they'd stay with three at the back. If I'm being brutally honest, I've said this multiple times. I think the championship has been dreadful this season. I think it's a weak division, and I think it shows how weak it is that Albion have finished tenth, because. Albion have been rubbish. So to still finish 10th is remarkable, really. Um, I don't think they... I don't really think Albion warrant a top 10 finish this season. I don't think they've been good enough to achieve that. Um, (laughs) So the fact they got it, um, yeah, it sums up how weak the division is for me. But bigger problems, bigger problems of attitude, bigger problems with... um, I'll tell you what, let's, let's... It's a bit... We're giving a little bit away... But let's tell, let's let's talk about what Paul Robinson said about um, that game at Millwall um, that we all remember Valerian Ishmael's last game, and he said in that game Albion's players gave up. Um, he could see it that they gave up once they once they fell behind they gave up. Can you ever damn imagine? It, damn Paul, indictment, isn't it? Is that, can you ever imagine Paul Robinson giving up? No. Nah. It just wouldn't. It's not even in his makeup. He wouldn't even have it for a second to think about giving up. But Albion gave up that day, and it's not me saying that. That's a, a championship coach, an Albion legend, saying that. So, mentality, character issues at Albion, a bigger problem than Steve yeah. Bruce, personally, and, and the changes he made early on. For that reason, I think I don't think they would have made it. I think once they fell off the wagon um, under Ishmael, I'm not sure anyone could have gotten back on it this season, to be honest. Yeah. No, difficult. I've got a couple of other testing questions for you later on, but I'll uh, I'll just give you a break after that one. A um, couple of other questions, just just a few updates. Joe. Any you know we're into summer now. Fans want to know transfer news. Any any whispers around transfers and and clubs release their retained list at this time, don't they? But we you can't really expect one from Albion, can you? Because the only two people really guaranteed to be going out the door are Andy Carroll, who went, um, and Sam Johnston. So there's going to be no sort of retain list for Albion, but can we expect any movement in the in the coming days or weeks? There will be a retain list because there's, there's Romain Sawyer's as well. Oh, uh, Sawyer, yes, of course. And um, there'll be obviously under twenty three players, but they've got a big game on Friday, so I don't think we can expect the retain no. list um, this week. But um, yeah, there's I mean there's plenty of rumours going around. Look, we know that um, we know Albion want Jed Wallace. We know they want John Swift. Um, my understanding is they want they've been in, they've registered an interest in Lenahan at Blackburn, although I think um, that would depend on other centre backs going um, first. Um, da, 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 da. There's a lot of Joe Rothwell as well. Is that is that yeah? Incredible? Rothwell's an interesting one because um, that that's come from other journalists. Um, and I, every every time I've heard, I've sort of not really got anywhere with Rothwell. 
Um, but it came out again yesterday, so I'm not ruling it out, but I've got to be honest, my digging on Rothwellers um, come to note. I, I don't think... I'm very... Con- I, well, I, I know that Albion want Wallace, they want Swift, they want Lenahan potentially. Um, Rothwell I can't talk about with the same confidence. Um, but he's a very good player. I, I, to be honest, I think Rothwell might end up at Bournemouth. Yeah. I think that's more likely. Um there's a lad, I can't remember his name. I've forgotten it. He's a Newcastle player. Um, Longstaff? No, he's a, he's been on loan at Bristol Rovers this year. He scored the seventh goal in their 7 0 win. Let's have a look. Uh, and to get them promoted. The Independent of the story the other day, um, linking us with him. So, reputable news source, um, potentially. But there's so much going around, there's so, there's so much going on. Um, Steve Bruce said his phone his phone won't stop. We're at a point now where he scored the seventh. Elliot Anderson. That's the kid. Yeah. Um, he's done very very well um, at Bristol Rovers apparently. Um, so potentially he could make the step up to the championship. But loans. Bruce has said loans will happen later in the window. What Bruce has said is he wants. So look, what we what we, what do we do now? I think what we have to make clear is that Steve Bruce is talking a lot about an overhaul, he's talking about freshening the squad up, he's talking about a rebuild. At the press conference on Friday, I asked him to sort of, to nail down what does that mean? And he gave us the number six. So he wants six new players in the summer. I think that counts as a rebuild. Um, I think that's that's fine. Um, I'm sure there's people listening to this who will want more. Um, but six, as Bruce said, is, is half a team. Um, it is a substantial amount of players um, so we're looking at six additions hopefully this summer we know a lot of them are going to be free transfers Bosmans, Wallace, Swift, blah 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 those those players are going to just keep their cards close to their chest a little bit longer um, they're going to just wait and see exactly what every offer they get um, but Albion are a very big draw in the championship they're going to pay very good wages they're going to be right in the mix for these players yeah. Um and Bruce said he ideally wants them. He wants four. He, he said he'd like four in for pre-season training, which starts in about six weeks' time. Um, it's not long, is it? It's not long at all. It's shorter this year because of the World Cup um, in the winter. Um, he, he said, like, I think he's looking at when he says four. I think what we can assume is they'll probably be the four permanent additions. It looks like Bruce wants to exploit the loan market. He believes there's some. Big big loanees he can get. From the thing with loan markets is what well, I, I listened to a, a podcast the other day. With lo- it's harder to bring loans in, isn't it? Early on, because players go back to clubs in pre-season, don't they? And especially probably higher up, there's probably players that are floating around Premier League sides now who managers are not too sure over. But towards the end of the window, they'll probably think, right, he needs to go out on loan. Yeah, exactly so, that. Or they'll be thinking, so, we've got him as our backup right back say but yeah. we want to bring in a right back so if they bring in another right back they'll let this player go out on loan or whatever so it's the it's the knock on effect isn't it it's like getting your ducks in a row um, but yeah he's he's made it clear he will bring in a couple of players on loan and those players will probably be towards the end of the window so it looks like he wants his permanent additions in um, for pre-season which is in six weeks not long at all um, and hopefully if I can get a couple of those couple of those real big hitters, free agents. I mean, look, if Albion somehow managed to pull off Wallace and Swift, I mean, it'd be absolutely incredible. I think now you'd have to bite your hand off for one of them, yeah. um, to be honest. But if, if they managed to get both, that would be um, 
incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see. Right, next section of the of the podcast. Um it is the, the last one of the year, so we're gonna go through a few awards. I know a few weeks ago we had that was it the Oscars where Will Smith started oh, hitting God. someone else? They had that awards ceremony, then you had the BAFTAs, but now we've got the West Brom Joe Massey end of season awards. Wow. The, the this pinnacle, is the one, isn't it? The pinnacle of West Midlands football awards, I'm gonna call it. Um some quick fire questions, Joe. And we'll go through it. There's how many have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six. About ten or so questions. Oh blimey! All right. And then I've got a couple of bit, you know, big hypothetical questions for you at the end of the uh, end of this. But so the Joe Massey award, the first ever Joe Massey end of first season. and last, mate. First, no, this is not going to catch on. It will do. It's it's once a year. It'll be an annual thing. We might even have actual awards. We'll have to deliver them to the players next year. Um, Joe, for you, it's been I've been garbage at times this season. <laughs> but who has been? The, who, who, for you, who's been Albie's best player this season? Um, so, I think Albion's player of the year is a bit controversial, maybe. But I think he's, I think there's only really one candidate. Um, and I think that player is Carlin Grant. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. And I don't think there is anyone in the squad that has contributed anywhere near what Grant has contributed with 18 goals. Um, I, Fans I will be listening to this, like pulling their hair out, won't they? Like, you know, you know, you said it was controversial just because some of his performances have been on the bad side this season, but you can't argue with his record. He has scored 18, well, it should have been 19 or even 20 on Saturday, shouldn't it, really? But, he should have got, to, yeah, he could have, I mean, we could have easily got to 20 goals this season. He's missed yeah. a fair few pens. And, um, but yeah, I think Colin Grant has been Albion's player of the year. I think without him, Oh, God, I worry where we would have been at times. I mean, there was one point a couple of months ago where our form was absolutely atrocious. And you, t- you take Grant's goals away then, it would have been a really, really sticky would been, situation. Would have been going to Shrewsbury next season, I think, if we hadn't done well, that. Well, yeah, that'd be that done that amount. So, yeah, I know I know, Colin, I know um, Matt Clark won Player of the Year, I think. Um, but, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think Matt Clark was comfortably our best defender. I think he had a good season. I think I think he's a really good player. I'd really like to have him back at Albion next season. But Matt Clark didn't contribute what Carlin Grant contributed in terms of 18 goals. Um, and to be honest, I can't see how anyone can argue otherwise. Um, you, you just... There's no comparison to those 18 goals. They have, they have been absolutely everything to this season. And also, I'll tell you something else. This is before the Barnsley game. I can't remember the exact figure, but say uh, before Barnsley Grand obviously scored 16 goals, 10, more than 10, I can't remember how many it is, but more than 10 of those 16 goals were point winning goals or like they, 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 were, they were crucial goals. They either put Albion 1-0 up or they put them 2-1 up or they got them level at 1-1. Carlin Grant scores big goals. He doesn't score many when you're 3-0 up and to make it 4-0. He scores crucial, crucial goals. Um, so, for that reason, I think he is head and shoulders Albion's player of the year. Yeah, yeah. The uh, biggest disappointment, underperformer for you of the season. Um, the, the there's a few. Yeah, I'm going to go slightly left field and say the biggest disappointment, the biggest underperformer was Valerian Ishmael, um, who. I think there's some questions about Val, but I'll answer it now. What I want to say is that I, w- I want to shake him. I, I think I've never changed my mind on Val in that I think he's 80% of the way to almost greatness. 
He has got so many good ideas. He is so close. He is so close to being onto something and being a really successful manager, I believe. Um, but he's so held back by his principles and he's so stubborn that it doesn't matter if, if he's, if he's going to continue in that way, it's irrelevant because that 20% makes him a bad manager. I think he's so close to being great. Like, I really do. Um, but there's something, just he just cannot, he's so inflexible. Um, and we're starting to see it. Besiktas now, where he's not at the best of starts. And you see comments from their fans, they're getting on at the sort of the 60-minute com- substitution. It's the like-for-like substitutions, the complete... It's weird. It's like he's got so many good ideas, but so many, like, bad ones. And those bad ones are really holding him back, I think. I'm not um, going to let you wriggle out of this one, though. Underperforming player. Oh, far oh, me. Not letting you wriggle out of it, mate. They're my questions. Um, <laughs> underperforming player. I haven't thought about it. Genuinely haven't. Grady? Yeah, I mean, look. We expected, you know, we always expect a lot from Grady, don't well, we? Well, that's to be... I mean, I really don't want to knock the lad because I don't want to... Like, it's not knocking him. I suppose we expected a lot from him, didn't we? And it's just... We expect a lot from him players. because he's, honest, he's, he's one of the best players in the championship. Yeah. But, like, yeah, he's underperformed this year. Of course he has. I mean, he knows that. Um, but, yeah, there are signs of Grady that... Um, just a couple of signs in the last couple of games that he is getting getting there. Um, so yeah, we'll have to go Grady. But um, honestly, we're saying that with like all we want is for Grady Dean Garner to be successful. He's unbelievable. He's the mo- we say it every week on this podcast. He is the most talented player in Albion's squad. We love yeah. him, um, and he's got a connection with the fans, which is like not so many players haven't got a connection no. with the fans. They're yeah. just so removed from them. Whereas Grady is has got that connection. Um, so yeah, go on. And if you want that, then if you want an answer, then you have got your answer. But yeah, fingers crossed that um, next year will be a lot better for him. Yeah, yeah. Best result. Oh god, I haven't. Really, I really haven't planned for this. Um, right, I'm gonna have to uh, get an old soccer base up. What's your best result? <laughs> oh, hang on. Um, probably Sheffield United at home. Yeah, best performance. Uh. What were we saying was Albion's best performance of the season when it was under Bruce? Oh, Fulham at home, isn't it? Fulham at home, yeah. Does that go above Sheffield United at home? Because that was a good performance that night. Yeah, no, I think best performance is Fulham. Yeah, because obviously Fulham were flying. Yeah. Whereas Sheffield United started the season pretty poorly. Obviously, they finished in the playoffs. They've got back on track, but... yeah. Yeah, that's that West Brom Sheffield United game was. That's why we go back to Val again, but that's why there's something there. Yeah, there's something there. That was peak Val ball. That was Val's like dream game. Is that mm-hmm. it? if everything goes yeah. as it's supposed to in Val's head, that's the outcome. You play like that, and Albion did it that day um, against a Sheffield United side like got good players. So. That's why I'll stick by Val's got something, but yeah. yeah. Worst result? Oh, worst result. Oh, there's been a few. Derby at home, that was bad. Um, probably ah, QPR away. That was rubbish. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and Charlie Austin scoring last minute. He was like, oh, have a day off. Um, Preston at home was woeful, like really yeah, bad. that was bad, wasn't it? Really bad. Followed by Millwall away, really bad. They yeah, were the you, worst performances. You can't put well. That was worst result. Worst performance. So I'm gonna press you for like a for a standout one on the worst performance. I can't choose between that Preston and Mill game. I mean, the Preston game was in Swansea at home as well. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, it's got to be Millwall away because, like I said before, that was the. I've never been so convinced back, we'd it? lose a game. Never been so. I knew we were going to lose that game. I said it to Paul Robinson, I was ninety percent convinced we would lose, and. The ten percent there was only ten percent there because you never know what's going to happen in football. But yeah. I was absolutely convinced we'd lose at Millwall, and we like folded to. We were pathetic. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 milled away. Yeah, go for that. What was the the lowest moment of the season? For you? I mean, these are these are uh, uplifting, aren't they? Making me relive it all. We had. We've we got. We we got we we'll end on a few positive ones. Don't worry. Uh, lowest moment. Uh, just from you, from the season, you know what? What for you was the lowest moment? Dropping the laptop at Reading. That was a that was, yeah, that was a bad moment. <laughs> um, the lowest moment on a personal note was when we were at Millwall away, and uh, yeah, sort of shook Val's hand, and he sort of squeezed my arm. And I was like, he knows. But uh, it was horrible because I was stood there and I genuinely liked Val. I've said this so many times. But there was no doubt in my mind that he had to go at that point. But I was really sad for him as a man. Because he's... One, because he was a good guy. And two, because nobody... Even the... Like, you cannot say he didn't give it everything. He gave it absolutely everything to be a success at West Brom. The job meant so much to him. He really, really gave it his all. Um, And it was just sad for him that, yeah, I really wanted him to succeed. Um, It was a shame. It was a shame. Yeah. Nah. Well, we've got a little bit of a question on that about sort of managers and stuff in a second. But what was the best moment of the season for you? What was your your season highlight? Of which they win a lot. Season highlight. What's the highlight? Um, my memory is so bad. You see, I'm not very good at remembering things. Um, Sheffield year we were buzzing after that at home. Um, what's your highlight? Just working with you, mate. Mate, why not working with you? I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it, mate. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. Best moment of the season, I don't know. Best moment, oh, I don't know. I don't know really. In terms of results, there are not many, is there? Probably Fulham or Bournemouth for me in terms of like moments, really, football-wise. They were some good evenings. Gave us a bit of false hope, didn't they? I think um, my favourite moment is this podcast and just that I was worried when Luke left because um, Luke did a brilliant job, but then you've come in and done brilliant as well. So, yeah, just the fact that made such a solid signing in Johnny Drury. That's my so, solid my, signing. Very kind solid, word. Solid signing. A couple more. Uh, what was your favourite away day of the season? Um, 
<laughs> they all blur into one. These are like a disastrous awards. Um, Can I just say that I give Joe this script yesterday? Yeah, I know. I haven't looked at it. I thought I was talking no. about when I was saying that this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're different people, mate. You're an organiser. I'm all over the place. Um, Favourite away day? Cardiff 4-0. That was good. Yeah. Um, did we get up to much? I've hardly seen Albion win away this season. Redden and Hull, I think. And Coventry. Um, we had some good trips. I quite liked QPR away. Just me and Joe Chapman for the Birmingham Mail, wasn't it? Travelling down, that was quite a good day. Even though the result was terrible. Coverway was alright, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Probably my best moment away. I went to Middlesbrough and Joe, Joe, as we all know, Joe strategically booked a Tuesday off early this year when we were away in Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, so I had to drive up on my own. But probably my my, my favourite moment was driving back and I was like, I've got four hours of driving here. Discovered a Greg's open at 12 o'clock at night. From Weatherby. You love yeah, Greg's. Yeah, Weatherby. Yeah, what what a place. Like Weatherby Services is my favourite place in the country. What a service. Not favourite place, favourite services. Um, but yeah, best of, come on, Joe. Best away day. What was your what was your favourite away day of the season? Probably Cardiff, mate. Yeah, Cardiff. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of. It. I don't think we've got a, a many like misadventures, have we? Like, no, we like, no, we didn't have many many other stories, did we? We haven't um, got in any like trouble or anything, have we? Yeah, just your reading, smashing equipment up. That was all there was. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, there we go. So there's the the the, the first Joe Massey. End of season awards. Go on, we'll see, if it, Go on. see if it catches on. <laughs> Do your research next time. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a couple of questions. I was thinking about these at the weekend, and just before we get on to supporters' questions, I've got Drury's big questions I've got written down in oh, right. capital letters. Um, and I mentioned this one to you the other day. So Valerian Ishmael was sacked earlier this year um, on the back of the transfer um, window. Um, would Albion, Albion finished 10th, my question is, would Albion have finished 10th if Val had stayed? If not, where would they have finished? They would not have finished 10th and they would have finished lower, um, unfortunately. Um, because like we just said, I was absolutely convinced we'd lose at Millwall and we did. He'd lost them. He'd absolutely lost them. Um, and from what we gather, we think he lost them because... Um, of what I've fallen out with Sam Johnston. Um, and from what we gather, Sam Johnston, obviously Sam Johnston was suspended, I think, yeah, following that Preston game. Yeah. And he was suspended for three games and David Button played three games. And with the greatest respect to David Button, he did okay in those games, but he was barely tested from what I can remember. He didn't really, he didn't really, uh, he didn't do anything wrong, but he, he, he didn't make himself undroppable either. And Sam Johnston felt that he should come back in the team. And I think Sam Johnston felt he should come back in the team based on the fact that in the past, players like Jake Livermore, Alex Mower, um, one or two others had always come back in the team when um, they'd been injured or suspended. So almost like valid his favourites and Sam Johnston wasn't one of them. So... What, these things are one of the things that, that wind me up in modern football, and I I'm only speaking from outside looking in because I can't tell you what a dressing room's like because I've never been in a professional dressing room. But you know, we say he's lost the players, etc. If I was a player playing for West Brom, I would be play. Surely you would be playing. Paul Robinson spoke about this. He said you play for the shirt, you play for the badge. All right, you might not like the manager. But surely, if you don't like the manager, it doesn't mean you're going to down tools. I'm not saying the Albion players down tools, but obviously they lost Valerian Ishmael. He lost the dressing room. 
This is just me ranting, really. More, you know, you play for a shirt, you play for the fans and the badge, really, more than a, a manager. I, I, I would anyway. I'm not a professional footballer, but yeah, I think like there's obviously a lot more happened with the Sam Johnson thing. I think the way he was treated by Valerian Ishmael at that time, I think a lot of the players was very disapproving. I can't write this stuff because I'm not 100 percent sure it happened, um, but you hear rumours that um, basically a lot of the players really weren't happy with the way. Um, Ishmael dealt with the Sam Johnson situation and not just the, um, the leaving him out the side it was almost the man management side if you like the personal skills um, with which or lack of them in this instance that Ishmael um, spoke to Sam Johnson potentially it's all hypothetical we don't know obviously um, it's, it's, what we've heard is just allegation as like alleged but um, yeah like <laughs> the truth is mate that's not the way it works in football like I don't know it happens at virtually every club with almost every manager at some point that and they lose the dressing room players. They don't down tools. It's not it's not as extreme as that. They don't. Um, maybe it was in Al. I think it was in Albion's case actually, um, with Millwall and stuff. Sometimes it's just psychological. They're not they're not putting in a hundred percent. They're putting in ninety percent, and that makes all the difference. Um, but yeah, look. I think I know what you're saying. You play for the badge, and I think there's there's players like that out there. Like Paul Robinson would be one of them. Like he would. It wouldn't. He he could have hated his manager, but he would have still given a hundred percent every time he crossed the white line. Um, but by and large, people aren't like that, and people do underperform if they don't like the manager. There'll be it happens in everyday life. Very few people go the extra mile for someone they don't like working for, um, and that's all it takes, isn't it? If you don't make one run, if you don't do this, you don't do that. You don't follow your man, or you it can make all the difference in football so yeah yeah a lot a lot I'm rambling really but yeah a lot went wrong really in, in, at the end for Ishmael and he did lose a dressing room we all know that um, yeah so yeah I think they definitely finished lower he had to go he had to go he had to go just on another point we were talking there you, you know you had a good relationship with Aaron Ishmael you know you had a good relationship with Slavin Bilic as well you know and, and I think fans sometimes forget that that people in football are humans at the end of the day and you know we see a little bit more of that human side than a, a fan would probably see but I asked this question because I was sitting on the press bench everyone had gone inside at the Hawthorns on Saturday and as Joel know we have a little group chat between us local reporters don't we and and uh, BBC WM's Rob Gurney goes sort of down touchline and, and he'll send sort of his quotes of what, what were on WM won't he and, and, and put them in a a little um, WhatsApp group, um, and obviously Joe and the other reporters will go into a press conference and ask him different questions. But I just had a listen to it, and there was a bit of a the, the start of the recording. They were having a bit of a chat, and just struck me just how nice of a bloke Steve. You know, I, and and fans will go, "Oh, I don't care if he's a nice bloke. I just want him to win football matches, as we all do." Uh, but I think there's got to be that humi- hum- humility side, and and just wanted to ask you, Joe, what's it been like? You know, dealing with Steve Bruce this year. You know, you you've been quite lucky in terms of. When you've covered Albion, three three good ma- like good good people, I suppose, in Valerian Ishmael and and Slavin Bilic and now Steve Bruce. You know what's it been like dealing with with Brucey this season? I mean, it's, I've got to be honest. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure dealing with him. Um, he is. He's, I mean, he's unique. <laughs> he's absolutely unique. He's very very different to any other manager. Um, for example, Valerian Ishmael, very very efficient. A press conference would start on time. We'd ask him his questions. There'd be very little small talk. There'd be next to no small talk, really. Um, but he'd always be courteous, polite, and then he'd shake your hand and he'd leave. And that was that. Was that. It was a very, very, very professional um, 
thing, really. Steve Bruce is is is, is so <laughs> relaxed in press conferences. It's crazy. It's completely different in terms of his. He he's happy to chat. He's happy to tell you stories. He's happy to tell you stuff off the record. Um, he loves reminiscing. He loves telling us stories about when he was a player, when he was in charge of Villa Blues. He's heard some unbelievable stories. Steve Bruce. People will know that. Probably know that he's got a couple of crime detective novels, Steve Bruce. But Steve Bruce has yes, got. Uh, yes. Um, Have you asked him about these? No, I haven't asked him about them. Um, <laughs> but he's got a hell of another book, like a book in him, an autobiography. I'm not sure if Steve Bruce has got an autobiography. I think he probably has actually. But he's got from the last couple of years. Believe me, like he's got some unbelievable stories. Um, unbelievable. Do you ever get a chance to read one of them books? I've listened to life. podcasts about them. Yeah, and I have. I've heard some extracts. <laughs> They're hilarious. Um, so yeah, he's very, very different to deal with Taval. Very, very, very different. Um, but genuinely, like lovely. Like he's a really nice guy. Um, like he is. A, he's like. I have got a question on the back he's of this. Cuddly. He's like nice. He's very warm. Val was never warm, but I, I, I do really like him. But he was just Val was always about all about efficiency. Yeah. Whereas Steve Bruce is a lot more about people skills, and he's he's personable, and he's yeah. he's not intimidating. Even though he's Steve Bruce and he's done absolutely everything in the game, he's just a, a he's a gentleman, really. He's, yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. On the back of this, I'm going to ask you a question: Who's the nicest person you've met in football, and why? Oh, the nicest person is Dean Smith. I knew you were going to say Dean Smith. Um, he's the best yeah. person. You're a big fan of Dean Smith, aren't you? I, I want to be his best mate. And why is that? Just because he was a bit like Brucey, personable and nice bloke? No, mate, because he's genuinely heart of gold nice. He is yeah. like, if you like, there's loads, there's stories about it out there, but if like people know Martin Ling, former football manager and stuff, he had his problems at times and Dean Smith was really there for him. And he's just, he's just honestly, he's like, a, he's like, a saint he's like ridiculously nice Dean Smith is ridiculously nice he's yeah. yeah he's just such a good guy so yeah Dean Smith will always be my favourite yeah it seems like I'm going to chuck a former Albion player in there as the nicest person I've ever met in football oh go on ex Shrewsbury and West Brom wrote a column for the Shropshire Star for a while Bernard McNally oh he's lovely he's, he's lovely the nicest yeah. man he's lovely He's like, lovely, yeah. If you ever get a chat, I'm sure Albion fans have met him, but yeah, Bernie is a he's a heart of gold as well. Bernie, lovely bloke, not in not in football anymore, really. I had to um, ring him last year because um, he played in that defeat by Woking. He did, yes. Um, and uh, he's so nice, like you said. So like you ring him and he's like absolutely can't wait to talk to you, can he? Yeah. And he's like, all oh, right, Joe, how are you? Yeah, yeah, you're all right. Ah, oh, yeah. What do you want to talk about? When you lost at Woking, <laughs> he was like, oh, no, not that. Um, yeah, he's, he's a top man. Yeah. He is. He's a great bloke. He's a great bloke. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today 
by visiting adoptionatheart.org.uk. Right, there's my uh, Drury's big questions. Now on to your big questions, which of we've got loads. So I'm going to scroll down my Twitter feed now and go to the go to the very bottom. Let's have a look. Who, what, who's going to grill you this week, Joe? Who's going to ask you the testing questions? We we always have the same names every week, and we always have some some really good questions. Um, Daniel Tudge is a is a repeat listener. Um, he's highlights best moment which we've done, best away trip which we've done, and he's asked about best food as well, Joe. Mate, I can't remember. They all blur into one. Do you know what I'm going to say? West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. Because the food is always top drawer at the Hawthorns. We had a good lasagna once. We had a good, good lasagnas. Breakfast yeah, the other day. Yeah, there's always good ones on there. We always have good pies, but you never eat them because you're pies. just a bit strange. Um. Joe doesn't eat pies because he doesn't know what's in them, even Do though it says on them. Right? Even though it says on the side there, on the little piece of paper, what's in them. You don't know what's in them, though, do you? Yeah. I'm just kind of, um, I'm more suspicious than you. Yeah. Away, Derby was quite good for the fact that they brought a cheese board out at half time as well, which was uh, which was quite memorable. Nice. Was quite good. We've had some bad ones though as well. Went to Red in the other day. They bought packet sandwiches out. And there was there was about ten packet sandwiches to feed yeah. forty in the press box. Yeah, I had one and I was like, bugger it, I'm going back to get another one. And they were all gone. Yeah. And well, I didn't eat. I, you, you had something at the train station, didn't you? And I was like, no, I'll save myself. Red and allow some good food. How wrong was I? Absolutely starving as well after. Uh, but yeah, there's been some good ones. Been some good ones. But uh, Middlesbrough was quite good, actually. Middlesbrough was quite good. Um, but there we go. Thursday Throttles asked a question. Good question. If you could send one message back in time to Val at the beginning of the season and one to Bruce at the start of his tenure, what would you say? Val, I would just say what I've already said. I wish I could go for a beer with Val. I wish I could. I really do, like, wish. I mean, look, uh, I just want to know. I just want to know what goes through his head. I just want I just, I want to. I'd love to see him to sit me down and, and show me the data because, my God, he had data for everything. And for him to show me why he's still so stubborn. What I want to say to Val is... What would say? What's, what would you ask him? Is it? Or what would you say to him? What would you say to him if you had one message to him? I would say to him, "You love Antonio Conte." So Ishmael basically buzzes off Conte. He always used to go and watch his Juventus team. He always used to go watch him at Chelsea. And the reason why he plays three at the back is because of Conte. Like he, but Conte mixes things up. Conte's tactically flexible, mm. and Val isn't. No, so what I really want to say is, if I was being harsh with my words, I'd say, Val, I genuinely, hand on heart, think Antonio Conte is one of the best managers in the world. Probably top five managers in the world. I think he's that good. What are you doing? Why do you think what you're doing is better than what he does? What What is it about what, why, you've like, you're so influenced by Conte, why don't you just also be influenced by the bit where he's more flexible than you. What is it? Why? Why will, Why are you so insistent on doing everything by numbers? Um, we'll try and arrange that. We'll get him on the bags broadcast for a beer. That would be my what I would say to Val. And I'd say to him, because you're going to fail if you carry on like this. Yeah. Everyone could see it. Everyone could see it. Yeah. Yeah, Jack Turton. Hypothetically, a relegated club offers twelve million for Callum Grant. Do you accept? No. Why? Uh, two reasons. One, because 
Albion still owe about 10 million for Carlin Grant. So the 12 million you get would only go to paying Huddersfield off. Mm. It'd only go to Huddersfield. What you could say is obviously we're paying Huddersfield anyway, so you're bringing in money that you could spend elsewhere. I get that. But you're not really going to see that 12 million pounds. And two, he's. Isn't. Carlin Grant is the opposite to Grady Dean Garner in the sense that Grady Dean Garner is, has got a connection to Albion fans. And for whatever reason, Carlin Grant hasn't got a connection um, to Albion fans. And it is that connection that is the issue here. I, I agree. I agree that Carlin Grant is not... He's is a frustrating footballer um, in terms of... that You do feel at times that he is off, he's not offering a lot bar than his goals. Um, but I don't think that's the problem here. I think the problem is that he isn't connected to Albion's fans. For some reason, there isn't a connection there, despite the goals he scored. Um, and that is what I think Albion desperately, desperately need to work on. We need to start finding out more information about Carlin Grant. I tried to, I tried to start to do it earlier in the season when... He was put up for press a couple of times, and that's how we got the lines about him, like him and Callum Robinson, and they're always like messing about, and like they they always like, they're always playing. Like, I think they play like computer games together and stuff, and they would spend a lot of time together outside, away from Albion as well as together and stuff. Just there's only so much you can do when you it's at the end of the game, and you got it's a post match interview, and you're speaking to someone about a game. You can't start asking him about his upbringing and his where his inspiration was growing up and if there's only been defining moments in his career or so, always that and the other. So I think the truth is Carlin Grant is a very, very, very good championship footballer. Yes, he, is, he can be frustrating at times, but he is a goal machine at this level. He's an absolute goal machine. Everyone knows, listening to this, that if Carlin Grant plays off the left, say, for Albion next season, if he plays 46 games, he's going to score a minimum of 12 goals. Minimum. He almost guarantees goals. Yeah. Um, so, and goals are what it's all about. Goals change games. Um, so, keep God, keep him one hundred percent. And but, but Albion needs to somehow get start getting Carlin Grant's personality out there. They need to see why yeah. he's popular amongst his teammates. Why? I mean, he won Players Player of the Year, didn't he? So yeah, I think he did. So he's popular in Albion. He's just not popular in the stands, yeah. and that needs to change. And I think once that changes, people will start appreciating Carlin Grant for what he is doing because what he's doing is scoring some absolutely massively important goals. Mm. Um, he's a good player. Yeah. Next question: a couple of quick fire ones, Joe. Do you think West Brom would have made the playoffs if Daryl DK had not got injured? Ah, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, it's a quick fire one, so I want a quick fire answer. Do you think they would have made the playoffs with DK? Ooh, I think potentially. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? That is. Don't hard. sit on that proverbial fence. I want an answer from you. That's the best question so far. Oh, I don't know. Maybe yes. Maybe I don't know. Is the honest answer. Yes. What a good question. Yes or maybe. That's a real thinker. Yes. Yes. There you go. That answers your question. Um, you can sign one player this summer. Who and why? Sensible answers, please. 
Um, it's got to be Jed Wallace or, or, or John Swift, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, either or. Probably, I, I probably think Jed Wallace is marginally the better player, but I probably think Albion needs Swift more. Yeah. Um, because I do think Wallace is best off the right, which if if and if fit and firing, Matt Phillips will 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 always do well there. So, yeah, I, I'd go um, Swift. Swift. Or I'll tell you what I'd like. Um, the lap at Man City on loan. I love I love yeah. Swift as a permanent and the lap from Man City as a loan. Yeah, there's been a link there before, isn't there? Yeah. Um, Jacob Smith, Bruce wants three or four players in before the start of the season. Is that realistic given how slow Albion have historically been in the transfer market? Yeah, he wants three or four in before the start of pre-season. Um, not before the start of the season. Um, and they signed Daradike on the first day of the, of the, of the transfer window. So what's happened in the past has happened in the past. It doesn't matter whether we've been like it's completely different regimes, wasn't it? We all know Luke Dowling kind of squeezed every penny and waited to the he was he loved deadline day, didn't he? Um but Luke but Luke Dowling's gone, so it's a completely different structure at the club. Um I think it's realistic to have three or four in for the start of pre season. Yeah. Um would you bring Saido Berahino back to the Hawthorns if the opportunity arose? Um, no, I don't think he's enough for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I, think, I think there's still a player in there, though. Oh, there's without doubt, isn't there? There's without doubt a player in there. And it, it could be one of them where it's going to be West Brom that unlocks it. Yeah, Like he, he could be that maybe where he is just meant to be. That is where Berahino plays his best football. Um, temp- yeah, it's kind of tempting. In a way, um, he's only scored nine goals for Sheffield Wednesday this year, and he got three of them against Cambridge in one game. So, yeah, he wouldn't. I think a top tour firing fit Sido Berahino would do well at West Brom. I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, I mean, he wants to come back, doesn't he? He said that. Of course, he does. Yeah. Um, he, he regrets a lot of things that happened. I think. I think he'd love another crack at it, but. I think most Albion fans would forget about that if he did come back, to be honest, in terms of what happened and the way he threw his toys and the ending, that, you know, how it came around. But we'll see. Probably never happened, but you never know. Um, if, say, Livermore, Bartley and Phillips leave in the summer, who would you then expect to step up to be captain? Can't Blimey. say about the current crop stepping up. This is probably hypothetical because I doubt all three of those will leave. Yeah, definitely, definitely all three of them won't leave. Um I think O'Shea would be captain. Yeah. Good job. Um, yeah, Steve. But I don't, but um, yeah, I can't see those three leaving. All three of them. Yeah. A uh, bit on Palmer. We've had those. A lot of questions here. A lot of people reply to people in the questions and then it throws you a little bit. Um, with some comments coming from Besiktas fans about Rad, already about Val, do you think it's fair to say? That we just got that appointment badly wrong. I suppose we've answered that, haven't we? Yeah, uh, I feel a bit sorry for the board of Val in terms of I don't think, I don't think anyone could have envisaged just how quite stubborn Val was. I'm like, I don't. When he said he wanted to play three four three every week, I, I sure not. Like, I think, I think it's kind of understandable not to take that like literally. Oh, you will actually play in every single minute of every single game, um, even when we're like losing yeah we'll take off a winger and put on another winger you won't ever 
take off a centre back and throw another forward. Like it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, didn't yeah. Work, but. A couple of other ones. Uh, any updates on potential opposition for pre-season? Uh, yeah, th- names are banding around. So what I've been told is the first friendly of the season is going to be in Portugal. Um, I think it's going to be against Leighton Orient. Um, but I'm not sure it's going to be it'll probably be behind closed doors I'm not sure um, Leighton Orient in Portugal I think it's going to be Leighton Orient in Portugal but it might be someone else it's not It's not confirmed yet it, these things have got to be um, sorted what I have been told is the club are in talks with a European team um, they want to play a European side um, at the Hawthorns there has been suggestion that is Marseille I don't think it is Marseille um, I think it's someone else, but I don't know who. But yeah, looks like um, look, looks like things will start with Leighton Orient and Portugal, and it looks like there'll be um, yeah, a continental side at the Hawthorns to sort of get to whet the appetite ahead of the new season, which should be interesting. Interesting. Few, just a couple more, just to uh, to finish off. Is Kenneth Zahor likely to be involved next season? We've heard that Bruce likes him. Well, Bruce has mentioned him a few times, hasn't he? We're going to put a story out this week um, at some point. Um, yeah, um, very, very interesting. Very, very interesting um, comments from Steve Bruce. Look, he was obviously obviously let go of Andy Carroll. He was asked at Reading um, after the game at Reading. That's obviously Andy Carroll was released on the Friday. It was actually after a press conference. We've been to the training ground in the morning in the afternoon it was it emerged that Andy Carroll had been told by Bruce that he was not part of his plans for next season the first opportunity to ask him about that was at Reading and asked why he decided to let go of Andy Carroll Bruce said that he's got two number nines two injured number nines um, who he's got plans for for next season i.e. Daryl DK and Kenneth Sahore and also he wants to have more pace um, in forward areas. So, yeah, um, it was a bit of a surprise, I'll be honest, um, to hear him bring up Kenzo Horay. I thought he was an absolute banker to be paid off this summer um, and for Albion to find... A, How long has he got left, Joe? One, one year, year now, left. after this one, yeah. So I thought that was... I, I mean, I thought he was at the door. I thought that would be one where... That would be the type of player where <clears throat> you tell him just to find any club... Say he's on twenty grand a week, Kenzo Hall. You turn to find any club, you find someone on, pay him eight grand a week, and I've been just paid a twelve grand difference. Work out what that, give him a lump sum, and and let him go, and then it frees up a wage to bring someone else in. But the fact that he brought him up was surprising. At, at the following press conference, which was pre Barnsley, I asked him why does he feel he can get a tune out of Kenzo Hall? Right? I mean, at the end of the day. No one else that Slavin hasn't, Slavin didn't, Sam didn't, Val didn't. Um, and he gave an answer to that question. So that, that we'll be putting out that this week. But he, he, he believes he can get a tune out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting because, look, there was a, once a player there, but I mean, last, the, the last memory of Zahor I've got is that Luton game. Um, when we were freeing up and cruise, and he came on, and then we ended up f- we were very, very lucky to very, very lucky to win it <laughs> yeah. in the end. I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting one, but yeah, looks like Zahor could have a role to play. What you would imagine though is, look, DK is going to play every game if he can stay fit. Big if, because obviously he's had this hamstring injury. But DK, I'd imagine Bruce will bring in another 
And then yeah. I think you're potentially looking at Zahor, third choice striker in a if you were playing a four three three maybe. Um so look, it's, I think his playing time will be limited. Um but it looks like he will have a, it, it, it looks potentially like he will have a bigger impact next year than he's had this year. Be interesting to see. Baggies fans, thank you very much for your questions again. Sorry the ones we couldn't read out. And thanks for your questions all season. They come in in their droves every single week um, and we do really appreciate them. So there we go. We're almost, well, I say out of time. It's been an extra long episode this week, hasn't it, Joe? We, it seems like we've been talking all morning. We've had we've the Paul Robinson one. Morning, we have, we mate. We have, we have. But um, Joe, you know, expect some movement in the next few weeks, aren't we? We'll, you know, we'll be bringing you... Um, Either side of the uh, the baggage broadcast summer series guest episodes, we'll be bringing you sort of chat. Joe, just looking forward to next year. What's your, what are you most excited about for next season? You know, I've written some of it down, but I'll I'll let you answer it first. What 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 are you excited about for for going into next next season? I'm I'm excited to see a Steve Bruce. I'm excited to see a Steve Bruce team that features Daryl DK. Um, to be honest, I think he, he Bruce does believe in. In playing, he wants to play attractive football. I think. I think he's made that clear. He wants to give Albion fans a team they can get behind. I don't think he's a, as negative or defensive manager has been made out. I really don't think that's the case. I think we'll play four three three next season, or we'll play four two three one, or might even play four four two, as we have in the last couple of games. I think Daryl DK is going to be huge. I'd love to see him flanked by someone like Jed Wallace or John Swift in midfield. I think. I understand Steve Bruce, the jury's out on Steve Bruce, I understand that, but you look at the championship teams he's built in the past, as we said at the start of this podcast, this is kind of where Steve Bruce excels, um, wheeling and dealing to build a team that can p- yeah. compete for promotion in the championship, So, and I think it'll just be a lot more entertaining, I think the football will be a lot more entertaining, so that is what I'm looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to seeing Daryl DK battering championship centre-halves. Which he will do. Which he will do. Might score more goals than Mitrovic. No, not sure about that. <laughs> Might have a look at the odds at the start of the season. Don't so, do that. So they're looking. There's enough pressure yeah. on the boy. Yeah, season's over now. Joe, you looking forward to summer? You got any plans? Um, yeah, going away? I'm going away. Yeah, I'm going away. But it's all not really. For, no, it's like it's all. I'm going away in July, August time. Um, so a bit later. Yeah. Um, probably back, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, no mate I'll be, I'll be here um, what are we going to do podcast every other week podcast every other week yeah we'll still be here I, you, you're saying you're away in July and August I'm away for the first weekend of the season unfortunately I do apologise Baggies fans not my fault I haven't booked to go away two of my friends are getting married on the Saturday and Sunday of the first game of the season so I'm not going to be here for the first game of the season so if Albion win like 4-0 and then lose the week after it's going to be like repeat of this season all over again yeah. isn't it dreary curse if they get moved to the uh, Friday will you be there I'll be there on the Friday yeah but yeah. I don't think we're going to be a big fish are we in terms of Sky Games again next season yeah it depends what we start with doesn't it yeah. hopefully we get someone like Norwich or Everton or someone like Leeds. that they come down. Leeds Leeds yeah Leeds I did text my uh, did text my Leeds friend the other day when they were losing against Arsenal saying welcome back <laughs> welcome back to Friday night yeah me you Friday nights and Don Goodman on commentary on Sky that's what I said um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll be sort of here throughout the summer. But yeah, we're missing that that first game of the season. But that's that's it for the Baggies broadcast for the for the season. I got to say, I have thoroughly enjoyed this season, even though Albion have lost more than they've won since I arrived. Um, 
in terms of doing this job, it, I'm doing what every Albion fan would love to do. I'm following him around the country. Working next to such an esteemed journalist, such as Joe Massey. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got a good little partnership here going on the Baggage Broadcast. So we've had some lovely comments in recent weeks about how much people are loving the podcast. And every now and then someone will, will, will sort of mention it outside the ground, which is, you know, makes our, our work even more enjoyable. So, yeah, I've enjoyed it so much. It's been a fantastic season. Um, not on the pitch, but it's been enjoyable. I'm sure you Albion fans, you enjoyed yourself at Reading the other day anyway. And I know you Albion fans enjoy travelling up and down the country. You do it, you know, we've spoke to a few, didn't we, down, on the way down to Reading, Joe, you know, oh, doing yeah. it for the, for the love of the club. But it's been a long season. It's been a hard season. But I'm I'm almost certain that next the next campaign will be... Will be um, will be better than this one we'll be going as we said we the season might be over but we'll be going nowhere we've got the guest pods coming up we've got Hal Robson Carno which is the first one which is dropping next week It'll be coming out next Wednesday so keep an eye out for that one we've got a couple of preview clips coming out before that potentially a few bits in the Express and Star as well um, and we've got other big ones coming up as you said you know about Sam Field you know about Paul Robinson tomorrow you'll know well tomorrow or today because this is going out on Wednesday you'll know about arguably one of the biggest which we're really looking forward to um, and then every they'll be coming out every two weeks and in between that me and Joe will be chewing the fat filling things in bringing you the latest Albion Albion news throughout the summer so um, so yeah we'll still be here have a great summer Albion fans go and recharge those batteries and be ready for when pre-season comes around because it'll be coming around quite soon um, so yeah for the final time this season uh, thanks for listening to the Baggies broadcast thanks for your questions um, it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from Joe Goodbye.